Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And with us here is Jed Brewer. Yeah. I'm gonna, I was going to say that's going to make sense in a second. The con- it will be given context. Whether or not it makes sense <laughs> that Jed did a kitty noise in the intro to the show is totally up to you, uh, dear listener. We are once again not joined by a regular co-host, Lee Unger. Again, I reiterate, we're not going through some weird, messy divorce where uh, Jed and Lee have to split uh, custody of the show and, by extension, me. Uh, it's just a bit of a bit of a busy period for uh, Lee. He will be back with us soon, though. I didn't. I have noticed that uh, Jed. Have you kept up with any of the the drama surrounding the film? Don't worry, darling. All right, dude, there have been so many headlines connected with that film. I cannot in any way keep them straight. I, I know there's I know there's much drama, but man, they they have lost me on what the heck's going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on myself. Apparently, uh, the director was Olivia Wilde as the director, and she like was going to cast someone, but then didn't cast him. And uh, star of the film, Florence Pugh, was slightly unhappy with that. And then Olivia Wilde cast her boyfriend, Harry Styles. This is a Mad Lib so far. Um, and who doesn't really know anything about acting, which has kind of uh, been annoying to people. And then Chris Pine has just sat there the entire time uh, looking like he's dissociating. (laughs) We've all been there. Absolutely. But it did create a lot of buzz is all I'm saying. So if you would like to come up, if you dear listener would like to come up with your own uh, drama filled backstory for why Lee has not been able to uh, be on the show the last couple of weeks and leak that to the internet, uh, give it a shot. Please rock out and it, keep in mind, it will have to take the form of Lee has had enough of those two. Cause then people sure. be like, yeah, sure. You can't sure, do like sure. Jed and Matt or the Lee. You wouldn't believe what he did. People are like, no, it's, that, that doesn't track. <laughs> well, and I think we need to give bonus points. So cause we're coming off of the whole Harry Styles thing. So if you come up with some, say that fan fiction that involves a One Direction member other than Harry Styles or Zayn Malik because oh. they're still pretty famous. So basically, if you if you do a deep dive and you've got you know something other than those dudes, but still a member of One Direction, we will give you I think maybe two times bonus. Say that points. Yeah, I think that that earns a, a super booster. Yeah. Also, yeah. it may help the SEO on it because. We we would get buried in the what is what are Harry and Zayn doing these days? But if you mention one of the other guys, um, or if you just make up that they're involved in our podcast, people might believe that. <laughs> they're like, sure, I haven't heard I'd... anything else on that. <laughs> yeah, dude how how weird must it be to be one of the other guys? Yeah, that also might be great. As yeah, I forget it. Some somebody put on the on the the Twitter machine semi-recently, and I think it pops back up every once in a while, of probably the best thing in music is to be the drummer in Coldplay. Because you're insanely rich. And, like, other than ten people in the world, you could walk walk through the middle of London, New York, L.A., no one knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, To that exact point, Hal and I were hanging out the other day, and... With the drummer from Coldplay? No, very much. Well, actually, it's possible. Let's say, can you prove you weren't? No, I, I, it's, it's blowing my mind now. Yeah. He could have been there. You know what? Let's say this. Hallie and I were hanging out recently, possibly no. with the drummer from Coldplay. Yes, indeed. Everyone's possibly with the drummer from Coldplay. We, we can neither confirm nor deny at this juncture, but anyway, the two of us and the Coldplay drummer were hanging out and, um, the old Ace of Base track, the sign came on. Here, it opened up your eyes. It did. It would open up our eyes to being curious about how many records they sold. And it turns out that act sold 50 million records globally. And which a amazing, but B the thing I appreciate is I couldn't, I lived through Ace of Base mania. Like I'm, I'm in the right age group and like, I couldn't pick any of those people out of a lineup. No, you, you could not even, I couldn't even describe which one is the titular Ace of Ace of Base. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird that between, yeah. like, um, Ace of Base, ABBA, and kind of the Max Martin producer thing, like, if you enjoy any pop music from the last 50 years, thank a Nordic person. 
And weirdly, if you enjoy any extreme metal at all, think a Nordic person. Odd crossover, but true. Yeah. Now, I want an Ace of Bass death metal album very badly. <laughs> I saw the sign, and it opened up a portal to the underworld. I saw the sign. <laughs> which side are we talking about? You know which one. Yeah. Yeah. Why is blood dripping from the walls? Let's not worry about that. Yeah. Either that or um, somebody doing like heavy, heavy uh, Norwegian death metal, but in the style of Ace of Bass. I would listen to <laughs> one. I would listen to one round of that on Spotify. Be delighted yeah. and probably never go back to it again. Yeah, dude. Actually, I would love it if Spotify would have featured lists of almost cu- sonic curiosities you should hear once. <laughs> like we're under no delusion you should ever listen to this again, but like you should hear it one time. I mean, that place was, I would be there, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ani, this is just one of the weirder things that's in my head, and I hopefully by getting it out loud. Are you aware of the band The Cardigans? Yeah. Big hit in the nineties with you've, you've probably heard a listener called Love Fool and was in, I believe, like the Baz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet uh thing. I think that's right. One of their shticks for the years they were touring was doing um classic super heavy songs in their style. Really? So I th- I think they're honest why, but but like they have a version of uh, of like the Black Sabbath song Iron Man. Yeah. But it's just a cardigan. They do it as a cardigan song. <laughs> that's delightful. And I believe they are also of the uh, the Nordic extraction. So once again, we even when it, even outside the realm of Christian culture, we we fail to come up with something weirder than what happened. Yeah, cardigans are yeah. from. Oh, I'll never be able to pronounce that word. Uh, a city in Sweden. Ah, that one. Yes, uh, many many umlauts. Uh, and you know what? If I tried to pronounce this word. I would come off sounding racist and possibly not even against Swedes. Like it would cross some kind of international dateline where it would sound like I was butchering the name of an East Asian city. So we're going to, we're going to leave that one be fair. You know what that is? That's years of professional podcasting experience, knowing when to say when. Yes. That is the, the beauty of being the guy who has to edit out the things that we don't want to make on the internet. Sometimes your brain just says, yeah, let's choose laziness over the the small, small potential that this might be funny. And as we uh, we transition out of that, we are going to continue to use these creative muscles. And I'm going to declare, and this is a pretty rare one, a double Christian bookstore emergency. Whoa, a double emergency? Indeed. Now, we, some of you who are younger may not be aware of the idea that there was once a thing called a Christian bookstore. Well, let me back up. There was once a thing called a bookstore. Ah! And they were so popular that there were uh, niche spinoff versions of them, one of which was often a Christian store. There was one in the town that I grew up in, which at some point, uh, as a, a rebrand that I never entirely understand, went from being called Cedar Springs Christian Bookstore to just Cedar Springs Christian Store. You got go and buy a Christian there. Yeah, absolutely. It was either that or they, when you officially get to 51% knickknacks instead of books, you have to like, there's some kind of FDA regulation <laughs> and tr- truth and advertising thing. But we, we had a, it's, you know, an idea that's fallen a little bit by the wayside. So we, uh, we had a couple of areas in which we thought we could, we could pitch in. We, you know, we, we mock the Christian culture a lot, but this time we want to, we want to help and I'm sure it's going to go great. Um, so we have a couple of ideas, and the first one is, is, is born of, of Jed's uh, brilliant mind for branding and music. And Jed, would you share with the people your idea for uh, you know, a, a new wave in the, in the Christian music space? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, like, look, we've, we've had a long season, both with, with the, the hymns and, and the praise songs, of a lot of, uh, I mean, they're, they're aspirational statements, but they're also fairly extreme, right? So, you know, a good example would be, I could sing of your love forever. I mean, like, I get the sentiment that, you know, and, and yes, in the context of, of eternity, I, I get that. But, like, forever is an awfully long time. We, we may be setting our sights a little bit high because, you know, I'm, I'm just one guy. And my voice is bound to give out sooner or later. And so what, 
what I was kind of kicking around was the idea of realistic worship songs with your host, Judd Brewer. Um, and, you know, so you've got your throwbacks of, you know, occasional hours I need thee. Okay. We, we, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to make it all the time thing, but occasionally, yes. And, and a personal favorite that I, I, I both, I just, I feel like it really rolls off the tongue, but also is very honest, is I surrender some. Sure. Some to Jesus, I surrender. <laughs> I surrender some. I think the beautiful thing about this is maybe you've had the experience of being in in your car listening to the music or in the pews or whatever, and you're singing the song, and again, as Jed's pointing out, you get where they're going, but there's a lot of, I don't know if I'm really nailing <laughs> the standard we've set here. Um uh, my, my one of my contributions when we were having this conversation this week was come thou fount of several blessings. <laughs> like intellectually, I know, yes, you know, the God is the, the, the source of all good things, but eh, I don't feel like I necessarily hold that idea front of front of mind so much. So let's just, let's just keep it easy. Absolutely. Well, you, you also submitted the, the very excellent, I could sing of your love for a while. Sure. Definitely. For longer than I could sing of other things, but <laughs> eventually, actually, I, I really want a chart of, okay, so here's the thing. I listed all the things I could sing about and the likelihood of how long I could sing about them. Sure. And your love was pretty high on the list. You know, I mean, it's so, it, it's not bad. Sure. Your love, very, very high. Um, You know, ground ginger, not very long. Could not do that. Just no, couldn't pull it off. No. <laughs> Hard to rhyme and just not that huge of a fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're, if you're, I think there's really two key takeaways with, you know, realistic worship songs with Jed and Matt. The first is we want to encourage you to give yourself permission to, to edit in real time. You know, if you're, if you're in a, a an environment where there's, there's worship music and you're, you're being asked to to participate, and you're you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm not sure that I can a hundred percent connect with this song. You go ahead and give yourself permission to just rewrite on the spot, and uh, you know, uh, sing what you're comfortable with. It's certainly what we would do. Absolutely, uh, we do have via via a text message from the week a couple of very very good suggestions from uh, Lee that I want to make sure you get here. Uh, uh, several other things, but also the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Very good. And uh, I think we do want to have some options for the contemporary service as well. So uh, two or three reasons. <laughs> 10,000 is a lot. <laughs> Several reasons. Several reasons. More than one. I, th I think if anything, the, the concept of several would be helpful. It's because yeah. as, as Jed is saying, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of nothing and all in the, uh, yeah. In in the songbook there, and maybe we need to maybe we need to fill in the uh, the 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 middle ground there with really quite a lot. <laughs> so that that you know uh, realistic worship songs with Jed Brewer, be on the lookout for that. Uh, definitely take that under advisement. If you've if you've got your own um, submissions to realistic worship songs with with Jed and Matt and Lee, please send them our way. We would love to hear them. We will cackle at them. Also, critically, they will become the the legal intellectual property of say that corp. So just just you know, but please send them our way so that we can laugh at them. Yes, uh, just so you're clear, we talked to our lawyers about this, and uh, they disagreed. But I'm going to push ahead with it. Um, any uh, intellectual property you come up with. Uh, inspired by or while listening to the podcast, even if it's about other stuff, that's ours. Yeah, that's we are going to need a cut of that. Again, <laughs> our lawyers very much said that's not the way that works. Um, but I feel like at this point in America, laws kind of a kind of a Calvin Ball situation. So I feel like if we just say it with confidence, we can we say it with confidence. We get the right circuit judge. We can really push that through. Dude, I, I went to law school at this Costco. <laughs> it's a pretty good law school. <laughs> So we, we move on to our next uh, idea, which we are contributing to the uh, Christian Bookstore Resurgence. So you, you've, you've wandered through the music aisle and uh, grabbed your copy of Realistic Worship Songs. Wow, that's what I call a tatable, volume one. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Thank that's you. That's very, very good. So we move to the book section where we were sent by uh, 
friend of the show and friend of us, uh, Molly, a book that was found on the bookshelf somewhere, which was 52 Devotions for Cat Lovers. Yeah. And that is specific. It, it really is. Like, there, you know, devotionals, a lovely thing. There's, you know, we certainly have represent, we have certainly have uh, re- recommended some uh, Frederick Buechner writings and some uh, William Barclay uh, Bible commentaries. And, you know, devotional is a lovely habit to be in, if that works for you. It's a wonderful thing, and there's some great ones out there. But it has always been weird. I'm sure, Jed, when you were a youth, you, you encountered as I did, there was some subdivision. Which even then yeah. at the time was weird. There was, you know, the the t- 100, 365 devotionals for your teen. Yep, um, yep. The kind of the big one, obviously, being there's as a marketing employee, there's uh, daily wisdom for men, daily wisdom for yeah. women, which weirdly implies that like this part of scripture, like yeah, chicks wouldn't get anything out of this. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and you know, it's it, but it's purely a marketing employee. You know, the men's devotionals like camouflage or. There was like one that always used to be around that had like fake, it was faked to look like the cover was duct tape, I believe, which is. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. That's, that's going for the Tim Allen crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely true in a lot of ways. Um, but so <laughs> for now, we, as many things have become in our, our digital algorithmic world, uh, apparently we've gotten more niche and Jed brought up a great point as we were discussing this, which is. Best we can tell, cats don't actually come up in the Bible. Yeah, like, if I'm wrong on that, please push back. But, like, I'm a preacher's kid, so, and I can't think, I actually did a search. Like, I don't think there's anywhere where cats are mentioned at all. Yeah, like, you could, I guess you could really stretch out the so every line of Judaverse, but that doesn't really fit with the adorable picture of a pouncing house cat that's on the front cover here. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went so far as to going to christianbook.com and finding uh, 52 Devotions for Cat Lovers from the Broad Street Publishing Group, published in 2022. Um, the description, uh, your feline friend can teach you a lot about the peace and patience of God. Is there anyone more content napping in the sunshine or looking out the window than your cat companion? It's like they are wired to sit and enjoy life, taking in the beauty of all that surrounds them. And you'll sit for a while with him. You might find yourself unwinding as you quietly contemplate the deep mysteries of life. Mm. So um, your cat can teach you a lot of lessons about napping, which that's cool. I don't know if that rises to devotion. And I'm <laughs> very, con- very concerned about how they squeezed 52 out of that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a sample page here. I'm not reading the whole thing, but essentially it takes a very normal devotional format where there's a, you know, a, a verse. The first one they show is first uh, Samuel 13, 10 Lord came and stood calling it as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Now, best I can tell Samuel was not a cat. Um, it's certainly not in the text and I would be surprised. It's possible that in every biblical story, there was a cat there that they just didn't mention a cat and cold place drummer. That's right. We absolutely cannot prove that either of those things are not in any given situation as it is. He described. could be a Highlander. <laughs> so uh, this, and there's like over a couple of pages, this person writes a story of answering the phone and someone, a customer being upset on the other side. Don't know why the customer and the cat's there. So then uh, this lady, well, I shouldn't gender the person writing this uh, learned something about um, the cat, because there's a cat in the office or something, and then it ends with pause, P-A-W-S, to think. Yep. What can young Samuel in the Bible teach us about listening to God's voice? And then, did you know cats have over 20 muscles that control their ears? So you get everyone with a little pause to thought and a cat fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. But that got us thinking, in the age of, again, the, the data scraping and the algorithmic targeting... You may have known, you may have noticed on Facebook, uh, there's a whole sub business of t- custom t-shirt companies that basically uh, scrape your data from Facebook and then create an algorithmic uh, lead designed t-shirt that they hope will appeal to you. 
I'm looking at a uh, article that has some here. Um, it says, never underestimate a mother who listens to Iron Maiden and was born in August. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of thing, you know, you know, kiss me. I'm a forklift driver who is from Poughkeepsie and likes, you know, football or whatever. So whole thing. And they, they send those out, but can we combine these things into do super micro targeted, uh, Christian devotionals? I don't see why not. Absolutely. So we've got, you know, cat lover, dog lover, but is there a like, you know, 52 devotions for sugar glider lovers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I came up with some, some versions we could do, obviously uh, uh, location based. So, you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 52 thoughts while you're in Sacramento traffic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's lot, very good. A lot of, yeah. You can, San Francisco, in a lot of the ways, the trusting the Lord is like getting over the bridge. Sometimes it takes more time than you hoped. <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, you, I don't think I don't know that you could do one for Chicago because uh, all of the winter weeks one would just be like just horrible reflections on suffering. Well, yeah, there there is that. That would work. Winter there is for Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Yeah. I think I think one thing you could do that might actually work business wise, it would take some effort to write, is sports based ones where you just kind of write up a great sports moment and then just kind of do a quick thing at the end of it. I think that might really engage dads. Be like the story of Cal Ripken's final, you know, his record breaking consecutive plate appearance, and then at the end you're like, and also here's a verse about persistence. But you basically just you technically did a devotional, but you just read about you know a really good a gap blitz. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I have something to kind of test this theory that I think we'll both enjoy. So I did a little searching and it's weird that this is true, but there are websites that will just generate a fake person for you. Um, like in a weird science kind of way, or just like a profile of someone like a profile. Oh, that's like, that's less impressive, but morally clearer. Well, so I've got, and like, I have an outrageous amount of information that has been generated for us, but I, I, we have, the name is Benny L. Mondor. Oh, Um, I love it already. He, Benny lives in Honolulu, Hawaii. Good for Um, Benny. Yeah. Yeah. I have like every bit of information you could possibly want on, on Benny. So I'm going to choose some things at random and see if we can come up with a, Perfectly tailored devotional just for Benny. First of all, he's a geodetic surveyor. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google that. Geodetic. Yes. Sure. Why not? Ge- like geo and then D E T I C. Geodetic survey. What is geodetic surveying? You're right, Google. That is the only thing I want. A geodetic survey determines the precise position of permanent points on the Earth's surface, taking into account the shape, size, and curvature of the Earth. Per- perfect! I'm going to assume Benny might be the only one of these, because it sounds like you only need one. <laughs> well, well, there's not a lot of work, because he only does it part-time. So uh, there, there may not be a huge demand, but there's still a market for our survey, 52 weeks of wisdom for geodetic surveyors. That's right. Yeah. Every map reference, every east-west, as far as the east is from the west, 52 devotions for geodetic surveyors. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's like he's a fixed point by which we can navigate. There we go. Ah? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. you need to navigate long journeys and rough waters, a solid geodetic survey, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Done. That's available for $10.99 on christianbooks.com in genuine imitation leather. No doubt about it. Um, do we have any other details about Benny that we can, we can spin off? Let's see here. Well, his online biography reads, Gamer, pop culture ninja, total communicator, unable to type with boxing gloves on, subtly charming reader. The boxing glove thing is, is fascinating because the first two, like, 
gamer and pop culture ninja, I'm like, oh, he's from 2012. That's cool. When you just kind of took anything and then added ninja to it. And that was, that was what we thought comedy was. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gaming ones. I, there's got to be, I'm looking, there's got to be a devotional for gamers. Oh, dude. Yes. Though knowing Christians, it'll all be like golden eye references. Oh, <laughs> you know what? It's probably not good, but I absolutely have to give, um, give props to the, the pun. The first one that shows on christianbook.com is geek and ye shall find. Oh, wow. That's devotions good. for nerds, gamers, and dorks everywhere. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say that's, that's pretty good. The, though true to our suggestion there, the, uh, Cover looks like a combination of Pac-Man and Space Invaders. Okay. So even though this was published in 2019, they may not be. They may not be on the uh, the cutting edge. Let me let me see if I can come with the name Duty of Calling, a devotional oh, for gamers. Right? That is really good, right? man. That dude That's between that and the, the geodetic, I I feel like we've got Benny covered pretty darn well, man. Absolutely. I think that is a proof of concept, as they say in the business world. Benny, you're welcome. Benny, you are indeed welcome. And uh, if you would like to submit your uh, either fake online or some real details and have us come up with a, a custom devotional title, I want to be clear, we're not putting in the work to write this thing. Um, oh, no. Just, no. Go, just go read a normal devotional like everybody else. It's great. Um, you'll get a lot out of it. Um, but if you'd like to submit that or your ideas for realistic worship songs, we would love to hear them. We would love to uh, have you in on the fun. You can find us at the normal addresses, which I'll give you if you hang out with us all, all the way to the end, or you can scroll down your description, find out there. Please do join in and play along. We also want to, before we transition to our question, I want to give a quick shout out. I've had a couple of folks in the last week mention that they have uh, told a friend about the show and what? said friend enjoyed it which is great. We appreciate when people do that. And we are also aware that uh, Lifetime and stories like that we've heard, there's about a 50-50 success rate. So um, <laughs> we, we appreciate when you do it. We also understand if you don't want to. That's fine, too. Yeah, telling someone about this show is kind of one of those high-risk, high-reward propositions. I'm, I'm yeah. impressed anyone would do that. You're going to find out something about that person, whether or not you want to find <laughs> it out. And they're going to find out something about you. Yeah. Though I will say... Often we give that kind of uh, mention after we've done some kind of horrifying or semi-offensive bit. So I will say that this is one of the gentler emergencies to start someone out on. If you're looking for a starter episode, it must be said. You're welcome. Absolutely. And that speaks to how hard Jed and I have to work to behave ourselves when we know we don't have the counterbalancing influence of Lee. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. There's a lot of effort being expended. And before that runs out, we're going to declare emergency off. Meow. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what yeah. you call a nice little narrative bow on that. But he brought it back <laughs> around because Jed Brewer is nothing if not an artist and a storyteller, folks. <laughs> an echo of the beginning right there at the end. We're going to jump to our questions here. If you handle this all day, and then I'll get some ways you can touch this. Or you can scroll down your episode description, click the links you find there. And write in your own question. Our first question comes in this week and says, I have some people in my life that I feel like I have forgiven, but I also don't particularly want to have a relationship with them or even necessarily see them again. Is that good enough? Or do I have to keep trying to engage with them? And Jed, I I think this is a great question in a lot of ways because a lot of, as we talked about in the show several times, a lot of the rhetoric and the kind of advice around boundaries, healthy relationships, particularly family relationships, even friendships and stuff, um, often has reconciliation or um, the, the big happy ending as the, the end point. Um, and that sometimes can give folks a bit of a skewed view of uh, things like how long something might take, how much buy-in you need from the other side. Uh, but I really like this idea of good enough, and I think it's, it's a great yeah. place to start analyzing this what would we say to that i i think it's a great question we're really glad that you wrote in and let's start with that exact phrase of of good enough and my question back to you is good enough for who like who's 
whose buy-in or sign-off do you feel like you need? Um, and part of the reason why I ask that is I think you, you may be kind of letting your, your victory get stolen. I, I want to propose something that is not commonly acknowledged in kind of Christian cultural circles, but it's, it's the truth, which is forgiveness is a miracle. Yes. Anytime somebody forgives somebody else, a miracle has happened because revenge is the natural state of affairs on planet Earth, my man. Like, the one thing we're good at is being awful to each other and taking revenge. That's, when you look at, at the scope of human history and, and even prehistory, that's pretty much been our overall obsession, that and getting blitzed for as long as there have been human beings. Do those two things go together? Yes. Yes, they do. So if you've broken the cycle of man's worst instincts and been like, no, I'm going to forgive this person, I, I think you should take some time and feel really good about you. Yes. Because, like, that's, that's a big deal. Um, we should not, when we've had a huge victory, kind of poke around to find what might be wrong or incomplete about it. Because that, that, uh, that's not how you celebrate a victory. If someone wronged you and you've forgiven them, um, you, that, that's a win, man. We, we should totally, totally, totally celebrate that. With that said, let's review a couple quick things. The first is that in the English language, when we talk about forgiveness, we are often lumping together several distinct, discrete phases that don't actually have anything to do with each other and uh, have completely different uh, relational dynamics and requirements. We're kind of lumping them all together and just calling it all forgiveness. And that imprecision can cause a lot of problems. So we are going to actually refer back in a way to what Jesus taught about forgiveness, because I think it's going to help us and I think it's going to give us a lot more peace. One of the interesting things about the words that, that Jesus used is that they're kind of actually financial terms uh, when it comes to the idea of forgiveness. And the, the main story that Jesus told to kind of illustrate the point is, is literally a financial story. It's a story about people who owe each other money. So I want you to imagine for a second that you take out some kind of loan from a local bank, right? and at a certain point, you decide, no, I'm not going to repay it. I'm just, I'm just keeping that, that money. Okay, y you do owe them. Like, you legally, observably, demonstrably, you owe them. There is a literal debt here. And now I want you to suppose that at a certain point, the bank just decides, you know what? We're writing this off. We are, we are canceling this debt. We are deciding to not pursue actions against this person. We are simply writing off this loan and, and moving on. What I just described there is forgiveness. Like when you read what Jesus said about forgiveness, that, that is forgiveness. But it's really important to note all of the things that are not included in that scenario. The first one is the fact that Citibank wrote off your loan doesn't mean they ever want to see you again. That's not in there at all. The fact that Citibank wrote off your loan doesn't mean that they want to loan you more money in the future. I promise you, if that happens, Citibank does not want to do that. It's also worth noting that even though you're the beneficiary as the person whose loan uh, got wiped out, Citibank's actually not doing it for you. They're doing it primarily for them because we got to balance these books. It takes a lot of time and work to go after somebody. We're just going to, we're just going to let it go. That's, that's probably how that would go down. So even though you're the beneficiary as the person whose loan got forgiven, it's, it probably wasn't done to be nice to you. It was probably more a decision about just uh, efficient resource usage. Let's point all of this at you for a second. If somebody has done something to wrong you, Christian forgiveness is deciding between you and God, I am not pursuing repayment of this debt. That's what Christian forgiveness is. The other person doesn't get a vote in it. They're actually not involved in it at all. It's you deciding before God, there is a debt here. I am not going to pursue repayment. I am, I am simply going to let that go. 
Anything that might come after that is something else. Are there scenarios where rebuilding trust in a relationship might make sense? Maybe. Are there scenarios where reconciliation might make sense? Maybe. But those things are separate from kind of the Christian idea of forgiveness. Maybe they fit, maybe they don't. Maybe it's a good idea, maybe it's not. But the key thing, and here's how you know that you've done uh, the forgiveness piece right, is you're not carrying a burden anymore. That, that's, that's how you know you've done it right, is you're not carrying a burden anymore. Anybody who wants to put a burden back on you is actually kind of trying to undo the hard work of forgiveness that you had to go through to get to a place of being unburdened. And that's the thing, again, that we really want for you is to be in that place of freedom and not being burdened. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic answer. And I really like um, that idea of the question that Jed started us off with, which is good enough for who? And it is, I think, a very important question that you should try to have an answer to because there, it is very easy in these situations to think, well, is that enough? What, is, what sta- am I living up to the standard? So, again, there, there can be several answers to that question. Um, and the question. Maybe if you're a very, very holy person, the question could be, is this up to Jesus' standard? Well, as Jed laid out there, the Christian call is to forgive. It is not to have a repaired, fully repaired relationship with everyone we've ever met in this life. So if you no longer actively are spending all your time, all your emotional energy and time plotting revenge against this person, you're probably good as far as the, the strict letter of the theological law there. Um, some common answers that we might think we might be using as our yardstick before we actually sit down and think about it. One of them might be the other person. Are they still going to be mad at me if I don't try and reach out and I don't go to this thing or I don't, you know, do that? They might, but um, here's an important theological question. Who cares? Yeah. There's lots of people I don't want to hang out with, and it would be madness for me to spend a lot of time worrying about what they think of me because I don't want to hang out with them. Be angry, bro. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be over here. Um, and the the third, I think, big category is just kind of general other people. So that might be, if it's a family member, that might be, oh, well, the whole family will think this. Or if it's like a friend, like, well, other people, they're going to go to the friend group. And they're going to say, well, you know, I tried, but she doesn't want to, I tried to ask her to coffee, but she didn't even want to come. So whatever. And um, again, there's a little bit of who cares in that. It could be a little more of there's a reason to care, but you do at some point have to, you cannot live your life uh, based on what a kind of random smattering of even your peers are going to think. And one of the ways that that can manifest is if this other person is just intent on not having a repaired relationship, but they're continuing to be hurtful, continuing to be toxic, there's no winning them over so that they, aren't going to do those things and say those things. So you can be focused on the facts of what happened. Well, let's, this is where the financial uh, argument really helps too. Well, they stole a hundred dollars from me and I'm you know I'm not prosecuting them. I'm not seeking to take it out of their hide, but I also am not going to be lending them money anymore. So if you third party friend think that that makes me a terrible person, you don't want to be, don't want to hang with then well, I learned something about you in that. <laughs> Nobody wants to be lied about or talked about, and that's certainly a different thing. But if you can put the reality out there, then the answers for who are we letting be the judge of whether or not we should be happy about something is a great question. And one, when you find the answer to it, really will help you find some direction, I think. We'll move on to our next question here. It's very, it is very cool. And I, I like this honor of question. We often get kind of very specific stuff, but this one's pretty general. It says, what's a piece of advice that you wish someone gave you 10 years ago? We have a big uh, policy on this show and in our lives of we don't give unsolicited advice. So someone went ahead and gave the, the wide berth, which is always a fun thing to happen. So, Jed, anything uh, leap to mind for this? It's a great question, man. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and, and the first thing that came to mind, um, it's just something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is simply the idea that success is relational. We live in a culture, and it's as true in Christian culture as it is outside of it. We live in a culture that's really obsessed with achievement and with accomplishment and with success. And I think for a lot of folks, there's this belief that if you 
have a, a ton of talent, then you'll be successful, or that if you have a ton of insights, then you'll be successful, or that if you work super, super, super hard, you'll be successful. And maybe those things are factors, maybe they're not, but I think success of almost any kind is relational. Um, I think I think that both that is the place where success begins, and I think that it, it becomes self-reinforcing. To, to put it in, in, in other ways, it's almost impossible to succeed on your own. Yep. If, if you want to experience any form of success in your life, it will almost certainly happen in the context of other people. Um, you being the lone visionary or the lone genius or the lone ranger, that's not going to work. Um, but so going with that idea of success is relational, that, that success will happen in the context of, of you being with other people, I, I can kind of give you some, some sub pieces of advice. The first is everyone wants and needs friends. With almost no exceptions, everyone wants and needs friends. Uh, people that look like they've totally got their lives together and they're totally squared away, they, they want and need friends too. Um, people where it feels like you guys don't have anything in common, so blah, 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 they want and need friends too. Um, it is exceedingly rare to find someone that does not want friends. Um, the thing that uh, kind of goes right along with that, and this is part of how you can make friends, is most people, the huge, vast majority of people, want somebody that's willing to be excited about my thing. Whatever, whatever my thing is, this, this book I thought was cool, or I like to go boating, or I'm, I'm into cooking, or it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's a list a million things long, but most people are starved to death for someone who is willing to be excited on their behalf. Um, if you're willing to be excited on someone else's behalf, I don't think you will ever lack for friends in your life anywhere you go. Um, it's something that a huge number of people are looking for, and it's very, very, very rare to find. The next thing that goes with that is say the kind thing out loud. Uh, I know a lot of the folks who listen to this show pretty well, and I think that by and large we have very kind-hearted people who listen to this show, which is really cool. Um, and if there were one thing I encourage you to, to just get more comfortable doing, the kind thing that's in your heart, say it out loud. Say it to people. Will it feel weird? Yeah, say it anyway. We live in such an unkind, angry, violent, vengeful world. Dude, say the kind thing out loud. Um, overdo it. If you're going to lean in a direction, lean really hard in the direction of overdoing it. Say the kind thing out loud. If you do that a lot, you'll get smoother at doing it where it doesn't feel quite as awkward or jarring, but, but do it even when it's awkward. Say the kind thing out loud, I promise you. And that leads to the last thing is social skills are just that. Th they are skills. You will get better at them the more that you do them. If you decide I'm going to be the person that's excited about other people's stuff and I'm going to say the kind thing out loud, it'll feel weird and awkward for a while, and then it'll feel supernatural, supernatural, not like supernatural, and um, you'll enjoy it, and it, it, the whole time it'll mean a ton to other people. And, and what you will find is that you are building a, a circle of, of acquaintances and buddies and friends, and I think it will help you. You should do it just because that's what makes life worth living. I think you will also find that it will help you to succeed in whatever it is that you're looking to do with your life. But much more importantly, it just makes life better for literally everything. Like it, it is, it is truly the good stuff in life. And that's what I want for you. And what all of us on this podcast want for you. Absolutely. Right. I think that is all uh, totally spot on. I, I would throw in my, my small contribution here, which is um, you can, I, I, one of the things I wish I had onboarded earlier in my life, um, because it, as Jed's kind of saying with the social stuff, this also takes a little while to learn to navigate and to put in the right box. Um, and it is, you can have some input in charting your own course of life. Yep. Um, I think when you're, when you're very young, kind of, especially in the kind of school age into maybe college and uh, immediately out of college, there is a lot of stuff that is prescribed for you that is kind of on rails. And there's a lot of stuff that is a totally, 
wide open canvas. Um, you could do anything. You could go anywhere. And as you get a little bit older, in my experience anyway, that that stuff kind of those extremes fall away a little bit. And there's a lot of things come down to which version of something do you want to do? You know, unless you're you're uh, from uh, generational wealth, in which case, congratulations. Um, hey. you're you're going to have to have some form of job. You're going to have to have, unless you, you know, live in the same place you've always lived and all your friends do as well. You carry those relationships over, which works great for some people. Um, you're going to have to create some new relationships. You're going to have to maybe find, you're going to find maybe new hobbies, new ways to do things, new places to be. Um, there is a way to do a lot of those things. If you want to do them, that works for you. It may not be exactly the way that works for everyone else. And that's cool. Um, but just because the, the way 70% of people want to do something isn't the way you want to do it. Doesn't mean you can't do it. And also just because the way you're doing something now is the way you're doing it now. doesn't mean that always has to be the way you do it. You know, there's uh, Jed and I have talked about this. I've talked about this quite often because we work with a fair amount of, of artists and uh, musicians and uh, very creative and talented people. And in that world, there is this idea that the number one goal everyone should have is making their passion the way they make money. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people it works out. No, no problem. It is great for them. Some of the happiest people Jed and I know are people who have great artistic talent and passion. And that has nothing to do with the way they make money. Yep. Um, some of the best, uh, uh, preachers and uh, ministry people and youth ministry uh, people I know are totally amateur amateurs in the sense of this is not their job. Yep. This is not a thing where they are constantly trying to have a greater influence or grow that out. It's a thing they like doing. It's a way they feel like they want to serve. And there's other stuff they do too. They found their way to make that work. Totally cool. Totally. Um, Helpful, and it lets those individuals bring their flavor of a thing to the way they want to do it. It makes it more sustainable. It, it's a positive thing all around, but it kind of starts with, and this is a skill you learn as you, as you go along, hopefully, letting go of that prescriptive idea that there's only one way to do something. And really, it gets you thinking about, what do I want? What do I want out of these things? What do I bring to the those situations? And that will will pay really, really big dividends all around, I think. Yeah, well said. We're going to go to our final question here. It comes in and says, When I've heard the fruits of the Spirit talked about, they all kind of get lumped in, but there are different things listed for a reason, right? For example, like what's the difference between kindness and gentleness? And uh, I, again, a really cool question. I think this is a really interesting way to break this out because when you, I totally agree with our question asker here, when you hear a sermon or read about, uh, a devotional content about the fruits of the spirit. Often it is, here's a whole list and kind of the answer breaks down to be all of these things at once, which kind of equates to being nice and consistent. And, but Jed, as they point out, uh, there's several different things listed there for a reason. So yeah. What do we think about this list? Maybe particularly that, that uh, divide between kindness and gentleness. I think it's a great question and a really sharp observation. You mentioned kindness and gentleness specifically, so at the very least, let's start there. What I would say is that the difference between kindness and gentleness is the difference between long-term good and short-term comfort, and both matter a lot. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Kindness is giving a little kid a tetanus shot. Because if you're not inoculated against tetanus, uh, you, things could go very, very poorly for you in your life. Gentleness is giving them that shot in a way where it hurts as little as possible. And the funny thing about comfort, which Christians have a way of saying it doesn't matter, it super, super matters. It matters just because, like, dude, I don't, I don't want to be stabbed in a non-gentle way. That sounds terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anybody else. But also, if you give somebody a really bad experience, that's going to turn them off from stuff that they need later on in life, right? Like, you might be able to give that kid that one tetanus shot, but if he has a horrible, horrible experience, maybe he avoids all forms of shots for the rest of his life. That's bad for him. That's, it's also literally bad for 
everybody else. Um, so comfort and, and in general, in a lot of ways is, is helping people to be comfortable in, even in the midst of things that are, that are challenging and comfort really, really matters. And I think that one of the things that's, that's always noteworthy. And I think this is part of what's, what's helpful about a list like, um, uh, the fruits of the spirit is which ones do I feel immediately drawn to? And then which ones am I liable to kind of downplay? And when I think of kind of the faith communities that I'm a part of, which are the ones that they're immediately drawn to? And then which are the ones that, that they're likely to downplay? There's nothing at all wrong in life with playing to your strengths. You know, if you're, you know, uh, I'm, I, I don't know. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kind of. I'm really good at being patient. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a strong one for me. There's nothing wrong with playing to your strengths. Um, but, um, we want to be mindful of the ones that, that aren't particular strengths. Right. So like, um, it's, it's great to be really, really good at patience, but it's worth asking. It's, it's not technically listed as a fruit of the spirit, but go with me for a second. Like, how are you at courage though? Like how, how are you at, at kind of boldness and, and, you know, acting when the moment demands it. Um, you don't need to be equally great at both, but, but we do get into, you know, trouble if we, if we just kind of abandon one of these and we describe it as, as not important. Right. So, and, and that, you can see that play out a lot in Christian culture when people talk about, you know, people talk about, you know, grace and truth. Right. Um, and, you wind up with a lot of people saying really awful stuff. It's like, well, I'm just, you know, it's the loving thing to tell people the truth. That could kind of be true, but it's certainly not the gentle thing. Like you're not, you're not displaying gentleness at all in any way. And gentleness actually comes up a lot. Like it's not just in that passage from Galatians that details fruits of spirit. Like it, we're commanded to be gentle in, in the way that we deal with people. And so each of those are different. Each of them matter. Some of them are in essence, counterbalancing, uh, uh, forces. Um, and I think it's good, it's good to be mindful of your strengths, uh, but it's also very good to be mindful of the ones that maybe don't come naturally to you and being aware of why those matter too. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic answer to that. And I especially like that point you're making towards the end there of all of these things are in there. You can't just say, well, I, as a lot of people try to think, try to cover off of, well, I'm very loving, which means I don't really have to be that uh, kind or gentle or have self-control about it because who could have self-control about love? It's great. <laughs> That's really, you don't get to just pick one, even if it's the first one in the list and go uh, bananas on all those. I did pull up as we are want to do the uh, William Barclay commentary on this passage. I think is a uh, pretty cool. Some pretty cool answers um, about particularly about kindness and gentleness. Um, so uh, kindness and goodness for closer connected words for kindness. The word is Christotes who I'm sure totally butcher a uh, uh, Greek pronunciation there. It's commonly translated as goodness. In 2 Corinthians 6.6, 6, it's translated as sweetness. Uh, Plutarch says that it is far wider place than justice. Old wine is called this word, mellow. Christ's yoke is called this word in that it does not chafe. The whole idea of the world is a goodness, which is kind. I think that's really, really cool, but does sound a bit like gentleness, but then he points out the gentleness is a different Greek word, praetis, and he says it is the most untranslatable of words. And if William Barclay finds a word to be untranslatable, the rest of us are going to be in a certain amount of trouble. But he get, he gives it a cracks, and the New Testament has three main meanings. It means being submissive to the will of God. It means being teachable, being not too proud to learn. And most often of all, it means being considerate. Aristotle defines this word as the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness, which is pretty, pretty cool. The quality of a man who is always angry at the right time and never at the wrong time, which is, again, extremely cool, but it does balance out of that. The fact that these are different things, as Jed, I think, very smartly pointed out, means there is an ungentle way to be kind, and it must mean there's an unkind way to be gentle. And when we lump those things in together, I think, as our question asker pointed out, it, is, it does a disservice to passages like these to say, well, basically this means God wants you to be good because then the 
uh, writer, the pastor, the speaker, the listener, whoever, is going to invariably insert their definition of good into that and make this passage about that. That might be being uh, kind above all things. That might be, um, they might try to slip in patriotic or strong or just other things they consider good. But this is a very specific uh, prescription of things that uh, you should have. And a lot of them, as we point out, are, and it's very consistent with the teachings of Jesus, are about the way you treat other people, particularly other people who might be getting on your nerves. That is, that is really kind of where the rubber meets the road as far as the whole Christianity thing in a lot of ways. Um, so as ever, we, we uh, encourage you to look up the Barclay commentary. You can go to uh, Bible Hub and type in this passage, look at the interlinear version, click on the words, click around, see other places they're found, because I think um, Jed gave you a lot of great stuff on that. But as you point out in your, in your uh, question, a lot of the kind of the popular, the preaching you might hear on a Sunday morning or on a uh, reading a Christian book really does. I think this, the concept of the fruits of the spirit short shrift in a lot of ways. I think there's a lot, yeah. a lot of depth there, a lot of cool stuff for you to pull out. Keeping in mind that framework Jed gave you of they're all in there. They're all meant to interact, maybe counterbalance, and we're not meant to pick one or the other, but all great, great uh, guideposts as you kind of, Go through your life there. Very cool question. We appreciate that. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, take out the song this week. In Lee's stead, we'll take out some of the younger music. This is Lee's song, Child of Wandering Will. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. And also, boom, Plutarch reference, baby. Your other podcasts don't reference Plutarch. You're welcome. That's right. Well, you've been gone so long. You're out there on your own. And you've got me all wrong. If you think you can't come home. Cause every day I Yeah.
Come back home. 